Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Market Academy LLC, your prescription for what we call OPA. What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week we bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So welcome to another episode of Charged Up Studio, the podcast where small business leaders get the tips and techniques needed to successfully take their businesses to the next level. Today, we will delve into one of the largest groups of individuals to jump on the bandwagon of entrepreneurship, baby boomers. Whether out of desire or necessity, there has been a significant increase in new business entry driven by the baby boomer generation. Why? The number one reason is financial security. Following that, another driving force is the need to stay active and engaged after retirement. There are many, many other reasons. Our guest this week is the CEO of Diomo, an, an accomplished investment banking executive with more than 30 years helping tens of thousands of individuals buy and sell good businesses. Richard Parker has transitioned from being a corporate executive to running his own successful side hustle. His firsthand knowledge having transitioned himself promises to add valuable insight for any of our audience members who may be considering starting their own small business or side hustle. So welcome, Richard. Thank you. It's good to be here. I appreciate you having me. No, definitely, definitely. You know, being right up there with those baby boomers and right in that age group where we're not really ready to turn in the towel, you know, that type deal, but we still need to figure out how we're going to support ourselves in our retirement years since we're living longer, you know, and things like that. This is such a critical topic to be able to discuss, you know, that and the fact that through COVID, we had quite a few uh, new business licenses, license applications put in uh, for those who were displaced and things like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, actually, it's pretty humbling when you talk about, you know, baby boomers. It's hard for me to believe at times that, you know, I am a baby boomer, but I feel like I was about 18 years old, about an hour and a half ago. So sometimes I just shake my head that, I I'm, in my, that I'm in my 60s now. It's like, what the hell happened? Um, I, bl I blinked and boom. Um, yeah, so the whole market, you, you have this um, immense, it's, it's you know, the there's a, a number of prongs to it. So you have baby boomers that were employees and retiring and may not have 
the financial resources to live the, the rest of their lives the, the way they want to. So that's the financial piece. There's also the other part, as you alluded to, the idea of keeping yourself busy. Right. And that's, you know, and that's really important. And then you layer into that what what's known as the silver tsunami, which is all these baby uh, boomer business owners that are going to exit their business. The majority of them with majority of them have no succession plan, which is completely crazy. But yes. some of them may close their businesses. Others will turn over. And then that group as well, even though they may exit with some capital, they'll probably find them unless they have very specific plans. Chances are they're going to find themselves pretty bored pretty quickly. Right. And so there's this massive pool of, of individuals. And for the the reasons that we just talked about, are going to look to do something uh, financial or, um, right. you know, or, or, or again, for, for uh, uh, <laughs> keeping themselves mentally, mentally alert. And so the market is, it's just massive. I mean, uh, again, there, there could be some side hustles. That's part of it. And that's become a very, very popular thing because of the, pretty much the advent and the explosion of the internet and, and technology allows you to run a, a small little business like you have a big business. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the market, is it's, it's huge. I mean, it's it just, it's, 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 it's absolutely massive. It is. So before we get started, you know, and we'll pick up on this after this question, um, uh, but I always ask my guests one specific question to kind of give our audience a feel for who they're talking and who they're listening to. So are you ready for this? Born ready. Go ahead. <laughs> so if you were to go back in time and confront your younger self, what solid advice would you give him and at what age? The solid advice that I would give him is forget forget about being right. Just focus on doing right and getting it right. And that would be at the earliest age, age possible because I think I was a very young business owner at 29 years old. I've uh, had some terrific successes, a few um, dismal failures, which you learn from, of course. But I think it took me too long to realize, you know, I, ego and insecurity got in the way for too long of my life. <clears throat> and, and that, you know, when I look back at it, not to make any excuses, I mean, because it is inexcusable, but probably because I was a young boss at 29. And it took me probably about 10 years I recognized that I was far better off to have surround myself with people that were bigger, better, smarter, and faster than me. And that's when my businesses really started to explode. So the advice I would give my younger self is, you know, check your ego at the door. And yeah. um, what I always try to be now is I, you know, I, if I certainly for the last, you know, 25 plus years, I've recognized that if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I don't, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. And so that's that, true. that would be, that would be my advice. Because I think it, true. yeah, I think I that think impacts it, life and business. So it's, you know, it's not just business advice. And I think that ego comes with age. Okay. I think when we're younger, we think we know everything, you know, and, and, and that challenges those who do have that experience, which gets us back to the question or the com conversation that we were having just before I asked this question is the value that we and I'm talking about us in general, uh, baby boomers, bring to the market with side hustles, small businesses, is that experience that the younger generation does not have yet. Right. And it's, right. you know, part of it is, you know, 
we could probably spend a, a few hours talking about, you know, today's current younger generation, because I think even this concept related to ego and knowing everything, I think it's 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 gotten infinitely worse because information is so readily available to them. Doesn't have to be good information, doesn't have to be accurate information or true, but it it seems to me that the younger generation has um has this overarching attitude of like they you know the world started with them which is not going to bode well but that's a conversation for another time it's it, it's as much philosophical as anything else and yes the but the you know baby boomers or you know very polite word for old farts baby boomers are um for for the experience that they've acquired whether it's been entrepreneurial or working as an employee management whatever it may be i fundamentally believe that business owners current business owners regardless of their age recognize um or or, or the smart ones will recognize that baby boomers who are exiting the workforce or their businesses could bring a lot of value to them even if it's on a part-time or a consultancy basis or looking at certain projects that they themselves don't have a, either the time, you know I'm saying, the business owners don't have the time or the familiarity with that. And so business owners may find themselves being able to take everything that they've learned over the course of their career and apply it and make themselves, you know, as uh, available as a very valuable asset to existing business owners, even if it's on a part-time or consultancy basis. I mean, right. you know, and, and it, it's almost fits hand in glove with this entrepreneurial spirit, which is if you have something about you make it work. Right. So, right. you know, and, and, and so I think that that could be, um, I think that could be a huge market and a huge opportunity for baby boomer for baby no. boomers as, as a whole, as a whole, regardless of their past, right. Whether it was an entrepreneurial or not. Right. And what I have found in my experience dealing with, even with the younger generation, younger entrepreneurs per se is they do welcome yes. expertise. They do welcome what I, you know, they're open to what I have to say. The difference, the, the, the problem that the younger generation runs into, and like you said, the information is so readily available to them. YouTube, you know, my son, he wants to lay a floor, a wood floor. All he does is look it up on YouTube and he it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's for that, but amazing. it's incredible. Yes. And yeah. for that piece, it's 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 a lot of value. I mean, yes. and and so if you're finding good information, accurate and true information, that's right. entirely different than just finding information. And right. and I do agree with you. The younger business owners or business owners, irrespective of their age, right. on the for the most part, they you know, they they've really separated themselves from the crowd, right. from people, you know, from their peers. That, that are working as employees. And right. so they recognize, you know, that, that if they don't, they're so, <laughs> they will soon enough right. that, you know, bringing in brain power is, is, is the, the best thing you could bolt onto your business. And skills-based learning, such as laying floors or something like that, skills-based learning is easily, uh, is readily available. Okay, you yep. can learn that. But what you don't get out of YouTube and everything else is the response as far as customer satisfaction and all of this, the things that have to go into the overall entrepreneurial uh, landscape in the sense of if you are going to bring customers through those doors, you need to understand and be able to anticipate what it is that they want and not just make assumptions. You want to be able to put yourself in their shoes. All right. 
as right. baby boomers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. some of the you know marketing really when you when you think about it is just figure out what your customers customers want and being able to deliver them at a price they're willing to pay. I mean, it's not more complicated than that. Yeah. And then, you know, so you have this information on the internet. Let's assume that people are finding accurate, true information, like you said, laying a floor, or when I have to change the um have to change the overhead light in my car um and it it didn't pop out easily right I, i'm and, I, and i'm a pretty handy guy but i i couldn't figure out it it didn't pop out easily and say like you know before i force this thing out and you snap some of the the, the brackets related you go into youtube and in a nanosecond there's a guy giving a three minute demonstration right. and it was like boop, 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 very simple so but the flip side of that to your point as understanding what customers want and all that, that lends itself to the human element and understanding the business. There's, there's a lot of nuts and bolts to business, but business in being able to deal with clients, figuring out what they want, being able to have a, 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 a great stable of employees who that you empower, um, being able to build a great company. You can't learn that on YouTube. You're going to learn that that's the human element. And that requires a lot of, you know, emotional intelligence, understanding what you're good at, understanding what everybody else is good at, being able to empower employees, the right employees, and, and similarly right. getting rid of the wrong employees. But there's the the element, the, the human part to all of that is, is usually, and I've worked with people, very successful business owners from Main Street business owners to billionaires. And, you know, they, they have this overarching philosophy of building great companies and, and knowing what it takes. And there's a massive human element. I mean, there's, there's data, there's math. Most of that is math. So one and one equals two and you're just no escaping it. But the human element being able to, to understand that. And very often that comes with, wis with age and with wisdom. Right. Well, and, you know, and, and speaking of this, you know, when you start, when we start talking about this transition out of corporate America, and the nine to five job into your own side hustle or whatever. Okay. More than, more than light, more likely uh, you're transitioning from a position that it was a J-O-B. Okay. And what's not taken into consideration is before you transitioned, you had that corporation behind you. You had the money behind you. You had the support behind you. You move into a side hustle or your own business and you lose that and you start operating in a vacuum. So let me get to my next question here. And it has to do with your transition, okay, from a stable corporate job to entrepreneurship. You know, can you walk us through what your transition experience was? Sure. I was very young. I was 29 years old. I was an executive vice president of a consumer products company in Canada, a publicly traded consumer products company in Canada that, that was very successful, um, had some very hot properties, um, and was the toast of the town in a lot of the um, the Canadian version of, of, of Wall Street because we had gone public before that. And the company was growing by leaps and bounds, so it was hard attracting um, good people on, on a constant basis. We're playing a lot of catch up related to personnel. So I really found myself because I'd been with the company for a couple of years, but I was working like an animal. And so I, I moved up the ladder much quicker than I would have at a big fortune 500 company. And I was certainly well over my head and beyond my pay scale in the job that I was doing. It was only because we were growing so fast and people had to just go way beyond and 
and and um, put in a lot more time and, and it took a lot of learning and you were really thrown in the fire, which from an experience standpoint was the greatest thing possible that could have happened in my life. And right. I was doing well, this goes back 34 years. Um, it was 19, um, 1990 and I was doing well, I was 29 years old, I was making $72,000 a year, which was, you know, probably today's equivalent to probably a couple hundred thousand dollars. And then I, um, I did the bright thing of putting $60,000 into the stock market on margin that someone told me about how that works, but they didn't give me the full story about, I, I accept full responsibility for that. And I pissed away to $60,000 because the stock dropped and I own double the amount. So I, I, I blew all my money. I had a very, just a very little bit left. And so my transition to entrepreneurship was because I didn't have an option. I could not, I did not want to stay at that. I loved my job, but I realized I could never rebuild my, my capital at a, at a, a pace that I was going to be happy with by making that the amount of money that I was making. I could move on to somewhere, another company and I'd make a little bit of an increase, but not enough to recapture that money. And so my decision was I, I my, the only way I saw myself um, recapturing that money is to get into a situation where I didn't have any ceiling on my income. And I knew, um, you know, very quickly that that comes from owning your own business. Right. And, and so I went and I, I took whatever little money I had left. I bought a small company. It was in the manufactured agency business. And, um, and, and I grew that. And I subsequently, I bought, I bought 14 companies in third, including one that was a co-investment and deal sizes from $50,000 to $208 million. Um, but my transition into entrepreneurship was because I didn't have a choice. So, you know, when, when you don't have options in life, it's very easy to make decisions, right? right? I mean, right. it's very easy, right? right? And that was my and that was my scenario. And my first child was on the way at that point in time. Since I have four kids and one grandson at this point, and um, so my the decision for me was was very easy. And that ended up morphing into the the programs and the courses right. that I've developed over the year, teaching people how to buy businesses. But that's that's uh, that was my story. It was it was, it was a very easy decision for me. Yeah, you know, and and it it was an easy decision. You say it was an easy decision, but it's you know a lot of times when we go out on our own. And I don't know if you were married at the time, and you had I was, yeah. And she was supportive of you, you know, and things like that. I know when I started my business, the only way I was able to start it is because I knew I had that income coming in with my husband and his right. job, you know, that type deal. Because um, it's it's difficult to start breaking in and starting a new business, you know, and being able to start, you know, making a paycheck, you know, and things yeah. like that. So you have to plan. And with that, you know, it's evident that preparation and determination played a crucial role in your transition. What are some of the, the, the stumbling blocks that you ran into, you know, once you made that decision, you said it was an easy decision to make because it was a necessity that you had to right. do, but what are some of those early stage um, uh, stumbling blocks that you ran into with your business when it comes to this and you have to make some pretty hard decisions? So they're a great question because I recognized real, really early on, even before I went in on my own, that by buying an existing business is a much better path than a startup. And I've done a couple of startups, but for me, and I've been teaching and preaching that for decades. So that decision, that that became obvious to me because I'm looking at, do I start something or buy something? I said, start something. I don't know what the hell I'm getting. I don't even know what I'm getting into. Everything sounds wonderful at the beginning, but I need I need an income. Right. And I need and most people acquire businesses because they either need to generate or replace an income. So the, the challenge was 
you know, one of them was you start one or buy one. And to me, it just became very clear. I was, you know, I, I, I didn't have the luxury of time to ruminate about the mess that I had created and the, the, the hole that I had dug for myself. So I was just like, you know, I look back and say, you know, I pat myself a little bit on the back for some fortitude, but it was kind of easy because I just didn't have a choice as I alluded to earlier, but it became, it became recognizable that buying an existing business was a better decision. Challenges were certainly capital because you never have enough money um, to grow like you want to grow that. And again, that was one of the things that I realized that organic growth is it's, 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 it's very romantic, but um, growing through acquisition is a much better road. And that's, oh, that's yeah. the path I decided yeah. on um, people. Do it. Yeah. If you have the funds to do it, it takes time. People were the biggest challenge. I was a terrible, terrible um, um, assessor of talent. I tended to hire people that I liked. Like if we had an, had an interview and they, you know, I liked them and enjoyed them. It was like that sort of sent me down the road of thinking that they're going to be really good at their job. Um, and so talent, finding good people also at the beginning was when they're the wrong people, making sure, you know, I hung on a little too long to people that weren't the right people and learned, you know, cause you're always learning if you're, if you're open-minded, you want to learn from, from mistakes. And so some of the things that I learned is you, you don't, you don't want to let your loyalties bankrupt your business. And so if someone is wrong, you know, and then it came to realize if someone, if I'm employing someone and they're the wrong person, I'm actually doing them a favor by letting them go because they're never going to grow in my business. And so, you know, it, 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 it became very easy for me to let people go who weren't the right people. I, always, I, I lost sleep only when I had to let someone go because there wasn't enough business, because that's my fault. But when they weren't the right person, I was actually very excited to fire them. I know that sounds kind of terrible, but I realized we're doing both of ourselves a favor and I'm doing them a bigger favor because they wouldn't grow it in the company. Right. And it's amazing. And I've had probably a thousand employees over the years and how many of them come back to me. Didn't have to let a lot go, but said that, you know, it, was, it worked out very well for them. So talent, attracting talent and then recognizing when it wasn't the right talent, getting, getting, getting rid of the talent and bringing in new talent. And I think the other challenge was, again, we talked about earlier, the insecurity, making sure I, I aligned myself and hired people that were much better at the job, what they were going to do than I thought I was. So that was, you know, getting over that challenge. That was hard. Um, and, and just took time. And th those are probably the main ones. So I think related to personalities and people, which usually is what it comes down to, um, the growth, taking shots. Like I, I never had, I never, I never got too anal about analyzing. I got very detailed about analyzing the risk, but I wasn't afraid of risk. Yeah. And there comes an age where that risk becomes more important than anything, okay? Yeah. The older yes. we get. But with what you do, the buying and selling of businesses and things like that, okay? Talking to baby boomers out there, our age, who are thinking about transitioning, if they were to buy a business, what type of businesses do you feel as though are good investments for somebody who is in it Maybe not for 30, 40 years, but say for, you know, 10 years or whatever, the transition. What, right. are, what are some of those types of businesses? Bland, boring, unsexy. <laughs> really, so, because, uh, you know, you, well, you know, you look at if you were buying a business in your 30s, right? I, I, I just uh, did the educational curriculum for a, um, 
a boot camp that was done, not my book. These people are a phenomenal group, regenerative capital group, underwriting five entrepreneurs to buy business. And I did the educational component. But I was trying to explain to them that, you know, growth is sexy. Stability is valuable. And so it really depends where you are in life. Like if you're 30 years old, you buy, but you want something you could really scale that there, you, you see, you, you know, you pay for the past, you think about the present, but you buy it for the future. And can you scale this thing based on the information that you know and your talents and skill set matched up and you want to grow this business? But when you're 62, 65, whatever the number may be, at that point, you're not looking to set the world on fire. You're looking to augment your income. And so you want to buy something that's going to give you a good return on your investment that you could, you know, and I show people the recourse how to negotiate seller financing. 91% of our clients do that. You want something that you're going to be able to get the keys on Monday, take a paycheck on Friday. And, and it's going to be nice and stable. There's not going to be any big um, peaks, but there's not going to be any valleys. Assuming all things remain status quo, if you're buying a business that you want that wants to throw off 50 or 100 or $150,000, whatever the number may be, and the valuation is commensurate with that. You want to make sure that barring something catastrophic, in other words, everything being status quo, the business continues the day after you take it over. So in those cases, I tell people, you know, you want bland, unsexy businesses, very solid, stable, good track record, nothing crazy, and, and unless it's something completely anticipated, that nothing crazy can happen that's going to change the business drastically tomorrow. And there's lots of those, uh, you know, uh, pest control, dry cleaners, yeah. uh, automotive repair. I mean, we have uh, time for our call, but you, you, we'd, we'd need about eight hours for me to run through the list. But think yes. about it from a standpoint of solid, stable, bland, unsexy businesses that, barring anything catastrophic, are going to remain status quo right. with you as the owner. Right, right. And when we and, and and speaking of that, you know, and what we're talking about here, all right, there's there's what they call buying the book of lists or the you know the the book per se. You know, I've run into many clients who, you know, have just they they they're tired and they <laughs> want to get out. Right. Okay. And you know, they 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 want to sell the business or they're thinking, I'm just going to let it go, you know, but they've got this huge value in their book, in the clients that they have, that they can use that as collateral. Now, how, how easy is it for a company that is stable like this to get owner financing? How, how easy is it for a prospective buyer to get owner exactly. financing in a business? Well, you know, I've been doing this for many, many years. Our program, I'll give you some numbers so you could, because it's going to get to your answer. So we've mm -hmm. sold over 100,000 copies of our course. 91% of our clients get seller financing. 91%? So, and, and, wow. and, and, and here's the reason. It's not because I'm that smart. It's because that's what it takes to get a deal to the finish table, to the finish line. When you have a smaller business, and potentially can't get financed. Most of the time, it can't get financed by it. Well, it's not going to get financed by traditional banks. Some of them will qualify for SBA loans, but some um, individuals, especially if they're getting to retirement age, they, they may not want to put up the collateral or the personal risk that's associated. Even those are great terms with some of those SBA loans. There's also you know a buy side risk associated with that, with the security that has to be provided. Seller financing is what it takes to get a deal done. 
because people, you're buying a business for $500,000 or a million, whatever the number may be. Well, people are generally walking around with that amount of cash in order that they want to risk it. So they might put down 10 or 20%. The seller has to carry the note. It's been done for the last 50 years. It's going to be done for the next 50 or 500 years as long as businesses are bought and sold. And any buyer, you know, you have to force that into the deal because that's the only way the seller of most of these businesses is going to be able to sell the business. Not to have to just lock the door. There's not a buyer for the business under the terms. They think they want to make, get all cash. There's just no buyers for that business right. in the most part. That's why a lot of them just close. And so seller finance, you, and, and besides the, the fact of that's what it takes in deal terms to get it to the finish line, the other piece is the only way to validate what the seller has represented, even though you've looked at the numbers, you've had your accountant looked at, you have a you know attorney drafting up the legal documents, you've done your due diligence, the only day that way that you can validate the seller's representation of the truth is for them to have skin in the game. That's yeah. it. I mean, there's no other way. And so, you know, it, it's, it's got to be part of it. Now, the other thing I will tell you, there is a lot of nonsense on the Internet um, about people professing to have these, you know, uh, uh, video sessions or boot camps or webinars about buying, you know, businesses making $200,000, putting zero money down, closing the deal in 30 days, no exposure. No, it's part of my friends, complete bullshit. That, that just does not exist. People yeah. need to start breathing oxygen from the real world. And so it does take capital. You do have to put down a small down payment, but the leverage is unbelievable. If you know what you're doing and you follow, you know, a proven way of doing it, that's, that's, that's really, um, in summary, is the way you have to go about doing it because it is very doable, and seller finance is a big part of it. And 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 with that being said, okay, we're talking about baby boomers who are making that transition out of the nine to five into their own, you know, side hustles or whatever. Um, and 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 I'm just asking this because I'm thinking, you know, it's going through my head. <laughs> is they've got these five hundred one k's. Yep. that are sitting that they could possibly utilize that money yes. to buy talk to that because There's, then yeah. the, then the dividends or the returns would go right back into their correct okay so there's a cup there's a couple of companies that specialize in that and if anybody wants to uh, send me a direct message or whatever i'll tell you contact information after let them know how they could uh, reach me if they want to um mm -hmm. get more information their companies specialize in that where you could util utilize your retirement plan, 401k, um, to um, acquire a business, whether that rep uh, portion represents all or part of it or down payment. It's absolutely doable. And I will tell you that when you take a look at a return on investments, and I've had a number one, there, there's no investment close to an existing business right. for return because yeah. they traded a multiple. So let's let's just broad terms. A business trading at a four times multiple, we can get into that at some point, but you know, right. a four times multiple of the profits, there's a formula for that, but let's let's just keep it real simple. Businesses sell if a business sells at a four times multiple. Well, for every dollar you add in value to the business, you're getting $4 back when the time comes to sell. Similarly, if you grow the business a little bit, the multiple oftentimes moves up. So you're not only using a multiple, you're multiplying a bigger number by a bigger number. And so the return is unbelievable. And so when you go through, some people may look at, well, I, certainly I don't tell anyone, go, you know, go uh, flip your entire retirement plan into a business. I mean, you're not going to do that, but 
taking a portion of that, the return that you're going to get on that financially is infinitely better than you're going to get in the plan itself, number one. And number two, you're solving for an issue that you have, which is either generating some additional income or keeping your mind occupied. Right. And so, you know, the benefits related to that financial and otherwise are unbelievable. Exactly, exactly. You know, and then when you get to a certain age, you know, you start uh, getting to a point where you can also be drawing on your social security if you wanted, you know, and things like that. So exactly. there are ways that we can fund ourselves in our retirement years, you know, yes. and keep yes. that income growing and, and supporting what we're used to living on. <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. Social security people are... is not going to do it. So. No, it's not going to do it. And I understand, you know, the flip side or the, the other argument, like I could be the I could be the attorney on either side of the argument, which is, you know, at a certain age, you don't want to have any risk. And if you acquire business, there's always going to be an element of risk. You can mitigate that substantially by doing it in, a, in the right way. And, and, and that's no question. There, right. There's also, you know, when you take a comment, you look at this from a combination of all the things that you talked about. If you if you get a business that that's easy to run and, and it's not all of them are by any means, but you talked about a a simple business that you can get in, learn. You know, it's not a steep learning curve. You can take it over quickly, but as enough good personnel that you can you still enjoy your retirement years. But if you take all these things in the aggregate, your Social Security, what you already have in a plan, you put some money into a business, you know, to, to generate a little bit of additional income. I mean, in, in totality, you know, you, you, you provide yourself with what you need for the rest of your life. And I, you know, I think people should understand this is very doable and people should learn about it because it's something that really is doable for very often people who haven't been in an entrepreneurial world. They, they think that buying businesses are you know, strictly for rich people. No, they're actually, it's for poor people. I mean, that's, those are the people, you know, it's, you don't have to have this amount, immense amount of wealth to be able to acquire a business. If you do it in the right way, when I say poor bill, I mean, obviously it takes some money, but it's not this, right. it, it's not a, an elite elitist club by any means. It's very doable. And, um, I, I really don't want to underestimate the importance. And I see it with friends of mine and older mentors and colleagues, people that are work with you get to a certain age and your regular job is done. And then you're bored out, you're retired, you're bored out of your mind and you get up right. every day and, and you don't have a purpose. And so similarly is for people who sell a business, they have to think about what they're going to do after, but having a purpose, it, it unless you, you know, it's less, it's a very specific hobby or volunteer work or whatever the case may be, you know, they're, they're, you see a, you know, studies have shown there's a very significant decline in people that don't have that cognitive activity. Right. It's really, it's right. really important. I mean, you got to get up every day and have a, you know, have a, have an agenda in life, regardless of your age. Right. And one of the biggest takeaways here is the fact that, you know, if you're going to buy an existing business, you want to buy that business with the team that has been running it. Exactly. You know, for a while. Exactly. So that, so that they can keep that, that, that business going while you're coming up to speed, you know, yeah. within the environment. So that's, that's critical. So can you, can you offer our listeners some practical tips or strategies that can, they can implement today to start preparing for that exit of corporate America? Yeah. Well, the first thing is I believe strong that people need to start thinking about it. Right. That's, that's really important. Number one, number two, I think I, People really owe it to themselves if they if they feel that they're going to need to add, add, generate some additional income, replace an income, or keep their mind busy for all the things we talked about. You know, they owe it to their to themselves to at least explore this world. 
right? right? It's, it's never too late to become an entrepreneur. And so learn about it. You, you may not want to do it or what have you, but you owe it to yourself to at least learn about it because it is so doable. When I think about the number of success stories that we've had over the years of people that like their lives are changed, it, this is very doable. And mm-hmm. so, you know, take the approach of learning, right. And, 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 and um, apply yourself, find out good information, true information, accurate information, learn about all this that's involved potentially in the acquisition of a business. You may decide that you don't want to do it, but again, not to sound repetitive, you you owe it to yourself to learn about it. So that to me would be the the the, the strong suggestion that I I tell people that they need to to follow and do it in advance of you know you retire you don't want to wait till you retire on Friday to start doing it on Saturday or Monday. You know think about this in advance because it is very doable. And the other part of it is to become intellectually curious. When I say intellectually curious, related to entrepreneurship, start every business that you visit. Uh, a light fixture store, Bed Bath and Beyond, uh, your dry cleaner, the local distributor. You take your lawnmower into these small motor, small parts uh, motor guy. Start thinking about business and asking the owner questions because that that uh, that entrepreneurial curiosity helps feed the learning process. So, mm-hmm. and the sooner you do it, the better because it's like one of the things is confidence. And if people can recognize it, hey, you know, this individual is running. How many people do you know? Like I know it happens to me all the time. There's businesses in my area. I live in South Florida. I come across people that I know are successful business. They run successful businesses. And I can't figure out how these people even know how to tie their shoes, right? Like they're like, oh my God, this is like, this person is dumb as a door and runs a $5 million business. But they're certainly not dumb as a door as it relates to running their business, right? right? They're just, they it's the right just not, yeah, they and and they just know they figured out the one thing that they do well and they've applied it to a business. Right. So that provides incentive to people and confidence saying like, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. That may not be a five million dollar business, but it could certainly be a local a, lo- a local business. So just like get your head into that entrepreneurial space, because right. when you work with a company for too many years, you lose your entrepreneurial spirit. Right. Well, and, and, and that's where, you know, uh, even pre-COVID, we saw the writing on the wall. You know, we're moving away from that that uh, that um, industry or that that uh, I don't want to call them manufacturing industrial industry, okay? Yep. The industrial industry, and we're moving more into the self sufficient, the more entrepreneurial. You know, things have been changed on you know uh, flipped on its head. You know, yes, uh, in a good way. Been, yeah, yeah, in a yeah. good way. You're absolutely right. In a good way. So as a leader, what are some resources or books that you have had that have had significant in, influence on you and your entrepreneurship journey? Okay. Give us one so or two. I'm a voracious reader, so I've got to narrow this down. And I got to <laughs> narrow it down in a hurry because I'm being interviewed. So um, I'll think I'll, I'll rattle off a few. It's going to be more than two. From Good to Great by Jim Collins. Excellent. Excellent. The, e, the E-Myth. I think it's Michael yeah. Barber. The E-Myth is a terrific book. Yeah. I would suggest people read um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which is not a business book, but it's a, an unbelievable life book. Wow. So I suggest that. Yeah. And then one from my dear friend, um, Ray Dalio, called Principles. All right. All right. Very good. How did I do? You told me to name you two, did, but those are you good. Did good. I'm sorry I, knew, I, I knew two of the four that you had done. You know, I would highly recommend Simon Sinek's First Ask Why. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's an, that's yeah. another one. So, so yeah, a, another one, by the way, I read, and I, I'm always reading. 
like it's I got I got four books on the go pretty much all the yeah. time. But there's another one called um, uh, How to Decide by Annie Duke. And so for people that are she's a World Series of, of poker champion. She's very involved with it, the Education Alliance, which is a phenomenal organization that I've, I've been a little bit involved with. That's trying to enter curriculum into schools to teach kids how to be better decision makers oh. and which is that. really needed. And she, I think, given the subject matter that we've talked about today, for people to have to make this decision, right? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's so helpful. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's eye opening. So, yeah. anyways, yeah. um, th that, that's another one. Right, you're absolutely right. You know, the 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 biggest one of the the part of the what we call the BHAG vision for Marketatomy is making a dent in the number of failed businesses. By right. reducing that number and by reducing that number, it would only positively impact our GDP, our labor force, and the of psyche of the business owner, which ultimately is going to transition down to the children. Of course. Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's exactly well stated. Yeah. Yeah. Well stated. Yeah. Yeah. So we're coming up on the end of another episode of Charged Up Studio. And thank you, Richard for joining us today and shedding light on how to take that next step in our entrepreneurial journey. Or as I say, our baby baby boomer <laughs> retirement, you know, whatever we want to Whatever, yeah. The silver tsunami. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I like that silver tsunami. There you go. So how can our audience members find out more about you? And do you have any offerings or announcements you want to let our audience know about? Well, great. Thank you. And again, I appreciate you having me on the show. Enjoy the subject matter. Very often it's 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 right along my area of special of, of, of expertise or alleged expertise. So it's nice to get off yes. the beaten track path a little bit. Um, the easiest way is to go to richardparker.com. I mean, there's there's hundreds of free articles and reports related to buying buying businesses that are, that people will find incredibly helpful and if anybody wants to speak with me specifically you know they can go to the contact page just mention in the message field that to please send the uh the the, the uh, submission to rick to me um but again it's richardparker.com and and people could lose themselves in in, in information and i promise him we were talking about it it's good accurate and true information and i think it will help people you know open their eyes or help them decide a little bit if this is a path they may want to consider pursuing very good. Very good. So that concludes our podcast for today. Please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to us on or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy and Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro business owner in mind. For more information and to register for our many courses, go to Marketatomy, M-A-R, K-E-T-A-T-O-M-Y dot Academy. And until next week, where we'll bring you another exciting guest, um, go out and have a charged up week. This is Dana Olivo. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review. 
or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website, chargedupstudio.live, and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.